You are listening to the official podcast of First Baptist Church of Cape Girardeau. We are a community of faith, hope, and love located in Southeast Missouri. For more information, visit our website at fbccape.com. Our scripture reading for this morning is taken from the book of Joshua, the first chapter, the first nine verses. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, My servant Moses is now dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea in the west, shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall put this people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall be successful. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's ask God's blessing upon this homiletical moment, please. Would you bow your heads? Well, God, may the words of my mouth, whatever they turn out to be, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I want to uh, do a shout out to the person that did the prayers of the people uh, today who offered that, uh, one of my former students in the elite tier of the students that I've had at the university, uh, Colton Mayberry, who used some alliteration in his prayers of the people. I didn't want you to miss it, because it was good. He said, 
May your truth transfix, transform, and transcend. That's good. And Colton, I don't know if you wrote that or not, but I'm going to steal it. I'll use it at some point in the future. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Those words, that greeting, that salutation have been used by quite a few pastors over the years, many of them Lutheran, to open their sermons. Those words, that greeting, that salutation opens all of the undisputed letters of Paul in the New Testament. Every one of them. Romans, Galatians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, 1st Thessalonians, Philippians, Philemon. Sometimes those words are the very first words you encounter when you begin reading one of Paul's letters. Sometimes, in one case, not until the seventh verse, but in all cases, those words make up the prologue of Paul's letters. Grace and peace to you. He never fails to say it in any of the authentic, undisputed letters of Paul in the New Testament. How you start a letter to anybody uh, sets the tone for what comes after. Have you noticed that? Maybe letters that you've sent or letters that you've received. I got a lovely letter just this week, midweek, I think, from a retired Seymour professor, somebody that I don't know, I've heard of him, but someone I don't know, it was a very long letter, as it turned out. <clears throat> and when it came in the mail and I saw that my hand-printed address was on the front and realized it was personal, my first thought was, oh boy. <laughs> because we tend to be motivated to send snail mail letters because something has upset us. Usually if you're going to offer words of praise, you think, well, that's nice. But if you're upset, then it motivates you to write a letter, put it in an envelope, stick a stamp on, and take it to the mailbox. So my first reaction was, here we go. Someone has objected to something that I've said or something that I've written. But that wasn't it at all. The way the writer began set the tone. He began by penning these words. I was very pleased. And immediately I had this feeling of relief. Oh, this is going to be okay. Those opening words accurately prefigured everything that came in that long letter. A positive, engaging, thoughtful one. Grace and peace to you is also a hopeful start to a letter, and it's not a throwaway phrase. It's meant to convey how life is best lived from the perspective of St. Paul. Grace, the opening word in the Apostle's salutation, is not just a woman's name. Grace means, in the church, unmerited favor, unearned mercy and compassion, 
wholesale and thoroughgoing forgiveness. This grace, Paul teaches, is embodied in the life of Jesus of Nazareth, who freely offers favor, mercy, compassion, and ultimately, and most importantly, forgiveness. And if you realize that you've received those things from Christ, then you are motivated to turn around and share favor, mercy, compassion, and forgiveness to others. Freely, freely, you have received, freely, freely, give. I imagine those words have been sung in this sanctuary more than once, if I read my First Baptist Church correctly. Grace to you and peace. If you realize that grace has found us, and if we radiate that grace to others, especially those who have wronged us, then, then, peace is possible. If we extend that grace, that unmerited favor, that unearned mercy and compassion, and all of those things caught up together in forgiveness, directed particularly to those who we believe have not done well by us, then peace finds us too. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but it is a fortifying contentment. Grace and peace to you, yes, and the source, Paul says, for this is clear from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. People of First Baptist Church, may grace find you. May peace find you as well. So as I say, every one of Paul's authentic letters, meaning letters that we believe he dictated directly to a scribe or that he wrote personally, and we think only the letter to Philemon, was actually in Paul's hand because he says that in the book of Philemon. I don't know if maybe Paul's handwriting wasn't very good or maybe he was impatient when it came to actually putting pen to paper. Of course, it wasn't a pen back then. Whatever it is, uh, he begins those letters with those words. I had a professor in seminary uh, who had some advice for those of us who read the Bible. And he told us that if you find anything repeated in the scriptures, pay attention to it because it's important. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Seven times in seven letters. Important. And so is what we find in the opening verses of Joshua that Old Testament book. We find a repeated phrase here too, and we'll spend the rest of our time drilling down on that. First, some background. Probably some things you know, but let's just make sure we're all on the same page. Joshua is the protege of Moses. Moses was the unquestioned leader of Israel. Moses had God's ear. It was to Moses that God was revealed in the burning bush. It was to Moses that God gave the commandments on a mountain in the lower Sinai desert. It is fair to say that even though the people complained about Moses, and they did, and by extension, those complaints were also about God, few Israelites could imagine the nation without him. And yet, this story teaches 
In fact, life teaches that no one is irreplaceable. Leaders come, leaders go, but Israel endures. Now, we know that in our minds. We do, we do know that. Intellectually, we know it. But our emotions are often not captive to our intellect. Our emotions often go in a different direction. Joshua, the new leader, and through him, the people he was about to lead, both needed encouragement. We all need encouragement. You know, the praise team came off the chancel a few minutes ago, and I said to one of the praise team members, boy, you are really good. That was really well done. And I wonder if sometimes we fail to say that. We think it in our heads, but we fail to say it out loud. Just, just give that affirmation, that encouragement. And it's amazing how far a little bit of encouragement will take you. If there is one quality that we could pass to someone else, it is encouragement. Be a Barnabas. Be a son or a daughter of encouragement to someone else because each of us desperately needs to hear that. The author Walter Wangerin, in his splendid book of more than a generation ago, Ragman and Other Cries of Faith, makes a statement that I believe is difficult to refute. Wangerin says that in every encounter we have in life, a binary choice is placed before us. We can either lift someone up and encourage the other, or we can tear them down and belittle them. Those are our choices, Wangerin says, A or B. I think about the encouragement I've received and the encouragement that I've given in my life, which is option A, and the times through anger and impression, not impression, but impatience, anger and impatience, that I've chosen option B. B has been the choice too many times with a clerk at a convenience store who didn't make my change fast enough, with a person in conversation whose words were too slowly and too deliberately spoken to suit me. The situations in which option B has been the choice for me go on and on and maybe for you too. And when someone chooses option A in dealing with us, we are so appreciative. Fourteen years ago, in 2005, the United Methodist Bishop from Missouri appointed me to a church here in Cape. One of the high steeple pulpits in this state, a congregation with historic significance. And my wife and I pulled into the parking lot uh, that summer day, a day not unlike this one. I, I remember it being wet. Uh, just like today. This church had a big staff and a large physical plant, a sizable jump in both categories from where I'd been. And I turned to my wife, we're still in the car, I turned to my wife, we haven't gotten out yet, we're in the parking lot of this church, and I turned to my wife and said, do you think I can do this? And she replied without hesitation, 
of course you can. With her help, with the help of many church members, and ultimately and most importantly, the confidence derived from a God who can see around corners, a God who has already walked the footsteps before me, with the encouragement of the one who is unseen, you know what? Everything turned out all right. So Joshua now inherits the mantle of leadership from Moses. And although the text doesn't say so in so many words, and it doesn't, he seems clearly rattled. He needs encouragement. Yes, Joseph was a man, Joseph. Joshua was a man of some accomplishment. He had already showed his mettle by, by telling Moses that Israel could overcome the indigenous population of Canaan and take the promised land. He had a decidedly minority opinion among the spies that were sent into Canaan, yet he was resolute. We can do this. Yes, Joshua said, yes, as my wife said much later, yes, of course, we can do this. But being second fiddle to Moses is not the same thing at all as becoming the leader. Moses is unexpectedly and suddenly replaced. I mean, it happened with head-snapping speed. He would not be allowed, Moses would not be allowed to cross over into Jordan with the people that he had brought out of Egyptian slavery, with the people with whom he had suffered and provided for with God's providence all the way across the wilderness. They get to the brink of the promised land. Moses is not allowed to cross over and Joshua assumes leadership. He, Joshua, will take them over he, Joshua, will lead them now. And although the text doesn't say, and I, I think the scripture sometimes invites us to fill the gaps, although the text doesn't say, Joshua must have asked himself, can I do this? The people he was about to lead must have asked themselves, can he do this? Can we survive this leadership change? What the first nine verses of Joshua chapter 1 reveal is what seems to be a private conversation between God and Joshua, but it's not private. This conversation becomes holy writ. It is shared with the faith community. Otherwise, we wouldn't know about it. It was shared so the story can be an encouragement, not just to Joshua, but also to the people that he was about to lead. And here it is that we see the repeated phrase. And remember what my old seminary prof taught. If something is repeated, it's important. And so the Lord immediately in chapter 1 informs Joshua that his boss, his mentor, Moses, is dead and that he is now the leader. A feeling of disorientation, of mental vertigo must have overcome him, must have descended upon this longtime second banana to Moses. 
to whom now God has entrusted the most important job he will ever have. God reminds Joshua, and again, this is filling in the gaps, but I think not in an abusive way, that leaders come and go, but that Israel, under the sovereign command of God, will endure. So here's the encouragement uttered and received three times. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, be strong and courageous. And then God appends these words. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I'm going to make an assumption here that there are, there are people at First Baptist Church, maybe some people that are sitting in the pews today, who are a bit strong-willed. Can I get an amen from that? From anybody for whom those words might be accepted. What should be clear is that while some of us, maybe many of us, may be strong-willed, None of us is naturally courageous. Courage is not something lying on the shelf. Courage is not an option we select on our remotes. Courage is not an app that we download. Courage does not come to us naturally. We must choose it. And how much easier it is to choose to be courageous when, in fact, we have been encouraged by someone else. In his splendid theatrical production, A Man for All Seasons, the playwright Robert Bolt writes of the protagonist, Sir Thomas More, who was a real man, who was really executed in the 16th century for his opposition to England's king. Late in the play, Sir Thomas explains in a, in a very erudite soliloquy why courage is unnatural for us. And to illustrate that, let me share with you his short speech. Here it is. God made the angels to show him splendor, as he made animals for their innocence and plants for their simplicity. But man he made to serve him, wittily in the tangle of his mind. If God brings us to such a pass where there are no enviable choices, then we may stand to our tackle as best we can. And then, yes, we may clamor like champions if we have the spittle for it. But it is God's part, not our own, to bring us to such a time. Our natural business lies in escaping. Our natural business, our natural inclination as people, as human beings, is not to stand fast or to stand up in the face of trouble, but to flee from it to escape it. Courage is not naturally occurring. And courage becomes possible, it seems to me, when we have been encouraged by a friend, by a spouse, by God. This message, be strong and courageous, is not just then for Joshua. No, because this story is not kept private, it becomes holy writ, Otherwise, we wouldn't know about it. It becomes part of the Hebrew Bible, and so it is a message also for the people of Israel. Israel 
You be strong and courageous, for I am with you too. Wherever you go, so you, Israel, do not be frightened or dismayed. I think it's an amazing thing. Um, I've been fortunate to have pastored a number of churches in my life, two in the St. Louis area and the rest in Southeast Missouri. I much prefer Southeast Missouri. Um, and on every occasion in which a transition occurred, every time I left, the church not only survived, but it thrived. It's not the medical procedure that we fear. Not really, because we'll be asleep for it. It's in thinking about the procedure that courage seems to desert us, huh? It's not the new boss we fear. It's thinking that we won't measure up to the boss's standards, that the boss won't like us. All these ideas that we imagine and project onto a supervisor we haven't even met yet. That's when courage seems to flee. It's not death we fear, not really. It's thinking about the process of dying that seems to make, to make courage take a vacation. Courage is so much easier if we have been encouraged. Paul encouraged his fledgling New Testament churches. God encouraged the Old Testament leader, Joshua, and through him, the people that Joshua was about to lead. Lessons can be learned by those who have, in the words of Jesus of Nazareth, by those who have ears to hear. With encouragement, courage, like grace and peace, may find us. So let me do my part on this 23rd day of June, 2019. Be encouraged, First Baptist Church, Cape Girardeau. Leaders come and go, but the church endures. First Baptist Church, Cape Girardeau, be strong and courageous, for God is with you wherever you go. First Baptist Church, Cape Girardeau, do not be frightened or dismayed. First Baptist Church, Cape Girardeau, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.